Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. But right now, it sounds like the left also has this strange cultural agenda. um, And the right is pushing against that. So I'm more apt to support the right in that sense, um, because, uh, I, I don't want you imposing again, your, your agendas on me or my kids, but I don't know, man, when they get in office, are they going to do anything different? We'll see. Historically? No, historically, they're not going to do anything. Different. Yeah, I completely agree. And, and it's really, really sad because you do have some good Republicans, Thomas Massey, Rand Paul, um, DeSantis, when he was in Congress really was not good, but as governor, it's, really really entertaining to see the way that he handles the media and handles uh the kind of woke and globalist agenda yeah i think that desantis um is a good politician on top of it which mm-hmm. you need if you're gonna if you're gonna lead a country you have to be popular uh with yeah. the way you present things it's just a fact the only thing that desantis that i that makes me a little weary and i, I have my friends my conservative friends by the way i have liberal and conservative friends but my conservative friends like this about him and I'm always like, I don't know. I'm, I think we should be careful. He does have a bit of an authoritarian streak. Like- yes. What is up, everybody? My name is Kyle Matovic. I am the host of the In Liberty and Health podcast, where we talk all things liberty, health and wellness, and beyond. My hope is to encourage and spread the message of liberty and physical and mental well-being. I hope you enjoy all the topics we talk about with our guests. We're on all major streaming platforms. So please sit back, relax, and enjoy. Man, I'm doing as good as anyone can do getting buried by his 13-year-old son on leg day. (laughs) I'm not going to apologize for not being on this podcast because I got to go see Metallica. So if that's a problem, kiss my ass. I am. (laughs) All right. All right, everybody, this is In Liberty and Health, episode number 126. I got the great, the man, the myth, the legend from Mind Pump himself, Sal Stefano, with me today. How you doing, dude? I'm doing great. I, I, I'm actually really excited to be on the show. The title of your podcast is like, I feel like you were inside my brain or something. That's great. <laughs> well, uh, you were definitely an influence in kind of my way of thinking. So um, real quick for uh, my listeners, uh, just give a brief introduction to yourself. And then I think people understand why you influenced me so much. Yeah. So, well, so I host the the Mind Pump podcast. Uh, we're a fitness and health media company, um, but we also include entertainment and current events. And so what you'll hear on the show is mostly fitness and health. Um, that's been my permission, my profession, um, since, uh, gosh, now it's been a long time over two and a half decades. Um, but personally, I'm also, um, a, a student of economics, free market economics in particular, Milton Friedman inspiration, um, to me, for example, um, I love Austrian economics as well. And, uh, I'm a, I'm a libertarian, um, definitely pro Liberty. So that used to mean, socially liberal liberal and and, uh fiscally conservative although these days um they seem to be changing things quite a bit i'm not quite sure where that puts me um i think i guess that puts me on the right now i have no idea but um 
but yeah, that's my, that's my, per, that's really what drives me personally. So what you'll hear on my show is when we talk about current events, if I have an opinion on something that's happening in the world, um, it tends to come from, uh, from that direction right there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, I think when I realized that you were kind of into the same stuff that I was, um, I remember seeing Peter Schiff on your podcast, who is just one of my favorite people on the face of the planet. And um, what I like about Peter in particular is that he really breaks down Austrian economics in a very digestible way. And like, I always kind of had like an inkling for economics, but he really cemented my understanding of it. So I remember seeing him on you guys show, I think it was probably like March or April of 2020. And yeah. uh, that kind of made me understand. I'm like, oh, these guys are like, for real. <laughs> yeah, for me, it was uh, so, you know, I, I, I was um, I used to own a wellness and fitness studio. And I'd, so I'd, I'd have the opportunity of training. One of my favorite things about working in, as a trainer and a coach and owning gyms, I get to meet really great people all the time. I love people, really love people. Mm -hmm. And I get very interesting, smart clients. And I remember, I think I was... Um, God, I must have been in my mid-20s, and uh, this this gentleman hired me, and we became friends, and we'd have great conversations. And I remember talking to him and saying things like, gosh, you know, I, I, I agree with half of what this particular politician says, but then I agree with the other half of what this other politician says. I said, you know, I'm a business owner. I'm the son of immigrants. I really understand the value of markets and consumers. I know how, you know, government regulations really get in the way of of progress, of helping people figure things out in the least damaging, most productive way for the most part. Um, so I'm, I'm very free market oriented, but I also really, you know, I, I think people should be allowed to live how they want. So long as they hurt nobody or steal anything, it doesn't mean I agree with them, but I think it's strange to impose your will on someone if they're not hurting anybody or stealing from anyone or, or, or damaging anyone's property. And he says, Sal, you do realize you're a libertarian. I said, well, what's that? So he sent, he sent me to YouTube to look up Ron Paul. That was my introduction uh, to libertarianism was, uh, was Ron Paul. And I, I saw some videos. people. <laughs> yeah. And I saw some videos of him talking and I was like, this makes too much sense. Why don't people understand this? And I was in that stage of it. Right. I think we all go through that. stage. Well, I just got to tell people it makes sense. And then it's over. Yeah. Uh, of course it works. Um, but I, you know, I consumed all his information. I learned about the creation of the Federal Reserve, which blew me away. Mm -hmm. And then um, I found uh, Free to Choose on YouTube with Milton Friedman. And Milton Friedman is, just has a gift for communication. You know, he's yeah. like uh, like Carl Sagan was for for astrophysics, right? He he communicated in a way where, and this is really what I strive to do in the health and fitness space, is to communicate health and fitness in such an effective way that the average person can really take what makes sense and, and you know, not overcomplicate things. And Milton Friedman did that for me. And I watched free to choose and it was just, it was, it was, it was incredible. And again, I, you know, I'm the, I'm the son of, of immigrants. My, my family were poor, uneducated, um, Southern Italians from Sicily. Um, and they worked hard. They were honest. They never asked for anything for free, but although we did help each other and, and, you know, work together, they took responsibility and um, I, I grew up in that environment and I just thought it made a lot of sense. I thought charity made a lot of sense. Um, but I also understood that forcing people to do things for other people wasn't charity either. So I kind of grew up this way. And, um, you know, when I, when I saw what Liberty was and what that stood for, and then what really solidified it for me was the evidence, right? It's like, mm -hmm. this makes moral sense to me, but does it work? And it does. Um, and that's when it was like, oh yeah, this, this is you know, this is, this makes the most sense. This is what I want to talk about. 
when these conversations come up. Um, and also there's a part of me that's, um, I'm an entrepreneur, right? I started my first business when I was in my early 20s, 23. Um, I don't like being told what to do. So there's that anti-authoritarianism side of me a little bit, you know, mm -hmm. so it's all jived together. And so that's that. Oh yeah, man. Um, so one question I like to ask a lot of people, and I'm sure you kind of have an interesting answer to this because you're out in Cali, right? I am. Um, yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> what was life like for you in March of 2020? And um, I just want to give my story real quick. So um, I remember I'm in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, right? So my fiance and I are at a uh, Fogo de Chow. So, you know, you have your little card that you flip up um, green or red whenever to, for them to bring you meat or not. And I got a text on my phone that said, Pittsburgh has now announced a state of emergency over COVID-19. And I remember looking outside, looking around, I'm like, oh, well, everything looks pretty normal to me. And then little did we know our lives were going to change just completely. I mean, my fiance worked for um, a company that builds respirators. She literally had to have a note to say that if you got pulled over, show the police this so they know that you're allowed to be outside of your house. It blew my fucking mind. So um, I, I was like getting the story from people just because after 2020, I really do feel like the world kind of got turned on top of its head. So uh, yeah, where were you in March of 2020 and what was your reaction and kind of how did it look for you? Oh, I mean, it's it was surreal and it was the worst of what I understood that government can do, um, just, it was just, uh, it was done in reality, right in front of my eyes. And the worst part of it was watching how people can be so manipulated by fear into doing things that are illogical, um, that are hurtful for themselves and for others. Um, and it was really, I mean, it was like living in an experiment. It really was. I mean, I'm in California. So here, everything was just, the hammer was dropped real hard and it, the hammer wasn't lifted. Uh, we were probably one of the last states to allow people to, to work and, and to kind of move freely. It was very, very, very strange. You know, I remember when it happened and by, by the way, I, I'm, I, I understand the, I understand the danger of illness. Uh, I'm not, a, I wasn't an anti COVID. I didn't think, oh, COVID doesn't exist. I wasn't saying that kind of stuff. But I did see that politicians were doing what they do best, which is they take a situation <laughs> and they use it um, to, the, to their best interest. Um, so if something happens that's scary, it's, it's either through nefarious, uh, you know, desires or just because, you know, that's it's like, the, it's like when you do a job, like, you know, if you're a carpenter, everything looks like a nail, right? If you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail. So yeah. It's like, okay, emergency. Well, I got to do something. So here's what we're going to do, right? Mm -hmm. And I remember, you know, when this happened, I, I told my wife, and I even said this on the podcast. And one of, I mean, this is what I love about my podcast is that it's out there, okay? So you can go back and hear exactly what I said. Well, I didn't change it as mm -hmm. things changed. I was very consistent. And I said, look, here's the deal. Um, yes, there's something out there. People are getting sick. Some people are dying. Most people aren't. I think people should be allowed, should be informed. I don't see anything wrong with that. But then allow us to make the choice to decide if we want to take those risks or not. Allow me to run my business and then allow my customers to make that choice. And it's up to me. If I want to attract more customers because the public is afraid, then I'm going to do what I got to do to attract more customers. Maybe I make it safer. Maybe I take people's temperatures. Maybe I only allow people who are vaccinated if that's what I think is is, mm -hmm. is going to help. Maybe I only allow one person at a time or maybe I only do home visits, whatever, right? Allow people 
to make those decisions for themselves because when the government does it, it's this wide sweeping brush. There's a lot of unintended consequences, which we are now seeing, okay? We are mm -hmm. now seeing some of these things emerge. Businesses destroyed. And then what's even worse and what I try to tell people is, you know what happens when businesses are destroyed and when news comes out that was counter this kind of message that we were getting from government that was forced down our throat is that people are not going to, they're going to stop trusting authority. Even The average person is going to stop trusting authority. The average person is going to stop following laws and it's going to actually, and the next time something like this happens, we're like, ah, I remember what happened last time and you guys were wrong about everything or so much stuff. And so it's actually backfires. It backfires in a spectacular way. So I, you know, at the time my wife was pregnant, I'm in this situation and I'm just like, now, thankfully my business is all internet based. So I can, could continue to legally operate my business. Although I'll be very honest, if I owned my gym, cause I had sold it years ago, but if I had owned my gym when this happened, um, I would have gone, you know, speakeasy style. I would have told my clients, Hey, if you feel okay, come on in. We won't tell anybody I'll black out the windows because I got to survive. I have to, you know, and I don't feel morally wrong. You know, I think morality should not be based on laws. I think some laws are moral. I think lots of laws are immoral. And I think if you're a good person, you, you follow the ones that are moral. And when an immoral law is passed, like don't let uh, minorities drink from this water fountain, you break that law, right? We had those laws not that long ago. So I believe that to be our, our obligation. And um, it was a crazy, it was a weird, crazy experiment. Now, uh, you know, I, I felt lots of purpose and meaning behind what I was doing because what I communicate mostly is health and fitness. And I said, wow, we're going to need this more than ever. Not just for the physical health and fitness. Like I realized like, man, people are going to be very inactive. They're probably going to seek comfort and food even more. And we know this now that I think the average person gained something like 15 pounds more than they would have over that period of time. Life expectancy dropped uh, as a result of like poor health because of the lockdowns and stress and anxiety and all that stuff. But also just, you know, I wanted to give people an outlet and I wanted to teach people how to use exercise and nutrition as a way to help with stress, as a way to create structure in your day. You know, when you're at home and you're not working all day and the days start to blend together, that can be quite depressing. So I was communicating to people to do short workouts throughout the day to structure their day. And I was talking about how to eat healthy on a budget, um, how to, how to comfort yourself in other ways. And so we really, we, we took the podcast and we steered it in that direction, um, during that period of time. But, uh, you know, it's really scary to me is that we, it just happened. The evidence is very clear. Um, you know, thankfully the founders were of, of this country were brilliant enough to design so to put in so many safeguards into our government to to stop or at least slow down the progression of tyranny that we have this state system and this federal system and there were states that said we'll lock down for two weeks and then we're done and then there were states like california that were like we're gonna lock down forever or as you know as long as possible and we could and there were mask mandates in some states and in other states there weren't so we could now look back and, you know, I, it's, it's sad to me that some people won't look at evidence, but I think if you look at the evidence and you compare and you count all the problems, anxiety, depression, suicide, drug overdoses and infections and how many people survived and economic challenges and what that means for people's health, you'll see that the strict, harsh government, you know, overreach caused more problems, way more problems. 
the the biggest of which and the one that I was most vocal against was how we were treating our kids. I thought uh, that is just complete travesty. Look, if you want to be a scared adult and you want to, you know, that's fine. But you start you start imposing stuff on my kids because you're afraid. You impose stuff on me, I'm pissed off. You do it to my kids, I'm really going to be angry. And, you know, we had, you know, third graders forced to wear, not go to school, not be around other kids and other people when that this is this is such an important part of developing. But then we forced them to wear masks when they did go to school. And, it, you know, reading facial expressions is such an important part of brain development. And those are formative years. And you're forcing a third grader to wear a mask. And not only that, but like if, if you know anybody in the health industry, which I do, I have family members that are that are like nurses and doctors wearing a mask. There is a protocol. There's a, you have to use it a particular way. And if you don't, you might as well not wear a mask. You're, you're going to have third graders do this. No, I know most adults didn't do it right. Yeah. Third graders. So it was like, it was all theater. It was all comforting show and it was all government taking advantage and spending more and passing laws that would have never been passed. It reminded, so I'm old enough to remember September 11th. Um, and I remember September, this is, this was a pivotal moment for me. I was, uh, let's see, September 11th, I was 22. And I remember when that happened. And then I remember after that happened, how all of a sudden we were going to go to war with Iraq. And I remember being like, Iraq has nothing to do, had nothing to do with September 11th, but because we were so scared and afraid, you know, our government, which had been wanting to go to war with Iraq for a long time really use that situation. And then the Patriot Act, and then, you know, the National Defense Authorization Act got passed, which, you know, was supposed to be temporary. Well, at least we'll still have it. And I remember learning about what was in those acts. And um, I'm like, man, this these only would have only happened because we were so afraid uh, of, after what happened in September 11th. In other words, our, our leaders, our political leaders took advantage of a situation and said, now is the time to get rid of due process. Now's the time to get rid of all these protective rights and nobody's going to notice because we're not going to do anything yet with it, but we have this power now and oh, it's in the name of safety. But so after that happened and then the, and then the pandemic happened, like, here we go again. And sure enough, they, they did it. So I don't know if it's, uh, I don't know. I don't know if people are going to learn, I, I guess. So make a long story short. <laughs> It was a shitty time. <laughs> yeah, dude, I, I totally get that. And like I said, I live here in Pennsylvania and we had some pretty brutal lockdowns as well. And, you know, I think in most of these northeastern states, there were a lot of uh, different governors sending elderly into the uh, retirement homes when they know they were COVID positive. And then, um, you know, now Mr. Rachel Levine is now the, what is it, Secretary of Health for the entire country. And she was responsible for the pandemic response here in Pennsylvania, which was just completely and totally botched. Um, but one thing that was most terrifying for me, and I'm curious about your thoughts on this as well, is that the whole COVID tyranny really was almost like a cultural phenomenon because you had so many people that would enforce the mask mandates at a, a local level. And even like, so I'm a mechanic by trade, right? So I work on cars for 10 hours a day. And, um, a lot of the guys that I work with, you would think they'd be, oh, no, I'm not putting up with this. A lot of these guys were the ones saying, oh, you need to go get vaccinated. Don't, you know, don't come to work if you're sick. You need to, you know, wash your hands. They were really bitten into this whole kind of COVID culture. Um, did you yeah. see a lot of that phenomena as well that people, that this was just like a cultural thing, not just a, a government hand crushing down on us? Yeah, this is where, and, and remember, our government can't 
I mean, I guess they could, but this is not what happened. Um, mm -hmm. They can't do what they did without enough people supporting it, or at the very least, being apathetic and allowing it to happen. Mm -hmm. Okay, because um, we still have a democracy. Our government still will react if a majority of people are like, no, I don't want to do that. And they'll kind of change the direction. So we're still in that phase, thankfully. I don't think we're in a banana republic yet or anything like that. But um, but yeah, I, you know, I, I have empathy because we were hammered 24-7. And it was, it, it, it was, it, it wasn't, maybe it wasn't coordinated, but it was everything. Okay. Mm -hmm. All media, all social media. It was medical establishment. It was 24-7, and we've never been able to deliver information um, like we can now. Like now it's like at the, at the, in my, my, it's in my hand. I can look at my phone and constantly be told and reminded whatever message that, you know, is, that someone wants to send or, or, or deliver to me. So people were hammered by this. And then you had the whole free world kind of act in a similar way, right? Mm -hmm. So now you can't say to yourself, well, other countries aren't doing this. What's going on? It's like everybody's doing it. This must, okay, well, I guess this is what we got to do. What's going on, guys? Um, we're going to take a quick break from the show to tell you about these show sponsors and the way that you can support me and this podcast. Um, I'm sponsored by Axe and Sledge. I won't really focus in here, but uh, right here in my hand, I have their um, The Grind, which is essential amino acids and hydration. Um, feel free to check it out. Um, this is your mom's sweet peach. They have some awesome flavors and awesome names. They also have multivitamins, fat burners, creatine, beta, beta alanine, um, all sorts of different supplements to help you get all jacked and tan and help you become a person more full of uh, liberty and health as this show is about. So um, if you want to support me and support this podcast, then feel free to go to axonsledge.com and check out um, all their great supplements there and use code Matovic10, that's M-A-T-O-V-C-I-K-1-0 at checkout for a little discount and to let them know I sent you their way. All right, everybody. Thanks. Now back on to the show. So I have a lot of empathy for people. And look, I, look, I, I have... I have tendencies towards, um, you know, being a hypochondriac. Okay. I'm not a, a full on hypochondriac, but I don't like, you know, illness and I could, could get definitely make me anxious. So I felt it, man. I felt the pressure. Luckily my, my logical Liberty side takes over, but boy, did I feel it. And my family, you know, um, my family felt it too. Now I'm very proud of my family because during, in the early days when we didn't have all the information, and we didn't really know what was going on except for what we could see in the news. Like now we know, like everybody's had COVID. I've had it. It's like not a, right, for most of us. Mm -hmm. Okay. But in the early days, we didn't know what was going on. So my family was like, okay, everybody, let's isolate. You know, we'll be on FaceTime, you know, three days a week so we can see each other. But then as this started to get clear, very proud of my family. My family was like, no, we, we, it's more important that we meet. It's more important that we do this. We'll take the risks. If you're sick, stay home, you know, take our, our own precaution type of deal. Um, but yeah, I think the other part of it too is that we're in, a, in an interesting time in which um, more and more people don't, they don't have a, uh, they don't have a, a, a stated purpose or reason or religion or something that they could say, I'm, I'm following and I'm worshiping, whether it's a moral code or a specified religion. 
Um, now, this doesn't mean we don't worship anything. Whatever your top value is, is what you worship. And it usually tends to be like money, power, where they say honor, pleasure, right? But because we're kind of floating around, it, it, it's easy for us to become religious about a political party or about a position. So when you're like that, it's not that the other person is wrong. It's that the other person is evil, right? So you saw this uh, quite a bit. What it should have been was this. Hey, man, look, I, I'm real uncomfortable with being around anybody not wearing a mask. So, you know, if you could wear a mask, that'd be great. If not, I totally understand. And then you would say, I don't want to wear the stupid mask. So that kind of sucks. However, I'd like to hang out with you. So I'll wear one because it's you or no, I'm not going to hang out with you. That's what it should have been. It should have been businesses that said, you know, open, um, open to everybody or open only one at a time, or you must take your time. And then people go and say, okay, well, that's the business. That's the business owner that wants to do that. And, or, Hey, I'm afraid I'm fearful. I'm going to go shop at that grocery store because I see everybody wearing hazmat suits and cleaning everything down. Or it could be someone being like, I don't want to wait in the line with that one. I don't give a shit. I'm going to go to the one over here where they're letting everybody in. That's what it should have been. But instead it became a, no, you got to live the way I want. I'm sorry. You do what I say and I'm going to impose my will. What a weird, strange uh, phenomenon. But I mean, modern politics is, is, like I said, I feel empathetic because we're so hammered and inundated by it. So we were scared. New thing was happening. It's constant. A lot of people don't exercise. We're unhealthy. So we're anxious anyway. We don't have a, a, a strong moral code that we follow because most people are kind of aimless with that kind of stuff. So it's like, I'm going to latch onto this thing. And then, you know, even if I'm shown otherwise, I'm going to just keep sticking to it and latch onto it. And so I have empathy for people, man. That's what happened. Plus, historically, look, let's, let's, let's be honest. Looking back, I don't know about you, but when you were younger and you learned about some of the atrocities that have happened not that long ago, I remember when I was naive and younger and saying, why didn't those people just fight back? Or why didn't people just say this, this isn't right. We're not going to do this. And you're like, how, how could people be so dumb, you know, uh, 70 years ago? Like, we're so different now. No, we're not. No, we're not. If this was, you know, 1930s Germany, um, most people would be following orders and there would be, you know, very few of us would be Schindler. So I have empathy for people, you know, it's, it, it was, it was a tough time. Yeah, you know, one of the books that kind of solidified what you just kind of highlighted there for me was reading Ordinary Men. Did you ever read Ordinary Men? Okay, it was about a, a reserve police battalion in uh, Nazi Germany, and it literally takes you step by step about how these men literally in the police battalion go from just being ordinary guys, just going to work every single day to being literal Nazis. And um, that definitely solidified kind of this, the concept that you're bringing up. And that definitely kind of rang true in 2020, where it is a lot easier to say, well, why didn't you just not wear a mask? It's like, okay, well, once again, you have empathy for people you want to hang out with people you want to go to events. So I see all these people saying like, you're stupid for getting the shot. Right. But I think a lot of people saying that don't realize the kind of pressure that came down on them. And I didn't get it. I had COVID and I still went to work because I was, I, I didn't even have symptoms and pretty much all the science said, if you don't have symptoms, you're not going to spread it. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, it was, uh, I, I, like you said, I have empathy for people as well, because so many people, their entire livelihood was at stake because of some of this stuff. And, you know, people caved and got it. I can't say I necessarily fault them. No, I don't. I, I have total empathy for people who made choices for themselves. Okay. Mm -hmm. What I don't have empathy for are people who tried to impose those choices mm -hmm. on other people.
So if you want to, if you want to inject yourself with something, it's your body. I, I may have a, 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 an opinion on it, but it's your body. And at the end of the day, I'm, and I don't care what it is. You can inject yourself with something that for sure is going to kill you. And if I like you, if I care about you, I'm going to try and talk you out of it. I'm going to do my best, but it's your body. Okay. It's your body at the end of the day. Um, it don't force me to do anything to me. And if you don't like it, then don't be around me. Like you still can choose that. So that's the part I had a problem with. I have total, look, people got vaccinated. Yeah. The pressure was crazy. The information was just constant 24 seven. Fine. It's no problem. I had no issues with anybody doing that, but if you're going to tell me I have to, or if I don't, I'll lose my job. Or if I don't, I can't run my business or I can't travel or I can't leave my house or the state um, then we're going to have, um, some, some problems. So there's a big difference there and it's, it all has to do with the, the personal choice. So, you know, yeah, I don't fault anybody for doing that themselves. Yeah. And like I said, I don't like this kind of black and white stuff that a lot of people seem to fall into. And I think our modern day politics kind of incentivize this extreme binary in one way or another. And uh, I think us both as libertarians kind of agree that decentralizing things and trying to cool off tensions is going to be better for people in general, just because um, a country of 330 million people where a third of the population believes that the last election was not legitimate. That's the best way you could say it without getting booted off YouTube. If you say it in a certain other phraseology, they'll take you down. Um, I, I think that there's no other way than to just say, hey, you do your thing, we'll do our thing. But um, to kind of highlight a point that you were bringing up earlier, um, there are some people who just feel like you should not have your way and I need you to live this way in accordance of how I see the world. Yeah, I, 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 no, it doesn't look, look, here's the deal. Okay. We had states with strong lockdowns and then we had states with no lockdowns. Mm -hmm. And if you compare the two and you look at cell phone tracking data, what you find is when the case numbers go up, people in the states without the lockdowns naturally stayed home. And when the case numbers went down, they went out. And that was a better and more accurate predictor of risk taking, if you will, than lockdowns, which usually happen before, after, or not so accurate and don't, and apply and are applied across the population. Like it makes no sense that if you're a 25 year old healthy male, that you should take the same precautions or not go to work. than if you're like a 65 year old who just beat cancer or something like that, right? It just doesn't make any sense. So when you look at that, when you actually look at the data, you see that the lockdown versus the non-lockdown states, people acted very similarly. The difference was over here, um, you had far less unattended consequences. And and we can't we can't overstate this. People feel a sense of autonomy. You know, they've done studies on this where, for example, if you look at people in prison, people who survive decades in prison, they'll tell you that one of the ways they survive is to create structure and fe some feeling of autonomy because if you feel like you're totally controlled psychologically it really messes you up right so so that's a big problem too so people in these states at least felt also a little more fear but again look at the data and you see they acted um you know in in very similar ways so yeah the decentralized approach um is the way it needs to go now some people like extreme i guess today you call them liberals would say, well, well, that's because we didn't enforce the lockdowns hard enough. Okay. <laughs> oh, I get, look, it, that's always the answer, by the way, right? Yeah. The answer is always, 
well, we, we need to force people. It would have worked if people actually followed the rules. We got to double down. Right. Okay. Look at China. Mm-hmm. Look at China. It literally locked people in their houses. In mm-hmm. some cases, welding doors shut. I remember How- seeing that. How are they doing? How are they doing? Right. Where, where are they at? Right. So no, no, it doesn't work. Sorry. Historically, it just, it just uh, doesn't work. Um, and now look, people are going to say, well, what if it was really like the bubonic plague and it was doing this kind of stuff? Again, people can organize and, and create um, neighborhoods and areas according to their risk tolerance and what they see and how they see fit. And people will do that. Mm-hmm. People will do that. The government doing it is, it's so inefficient and effective. It's so riddled with um, corruption on top of it that what you end up with is it's like, oh no, I have a, uh, you know, a really small, you know, growth on my forearm and we think it's a really mild form of cancer. All right, let's cut off your arm. Like, whoa, calm down. Like, I think all we need to do is cut this little piece of skin off. You know, or I have a cold. Oh my God, let's chemo you or something like that, right? So that's what they did, and we're seeing crazy unintended consequences. We have we haven't even seen all of them yet, and we're going to keep seeing them. I don't. I just don't know how long it's going to take before people go, "Oh yeah, that was stupid. <laughs> we shouldn't have done yeah. all that stuff." <laughs> right. Um. One of the uh, stats I looked up, and I believe it was found on WorldUnemployment.com or something like that. Um. It was per one percent of unemployment. I think you can correlate thirty six thousand deaths over the course of six yep. years to uh, that. And so at the uh, highest point in the pandemic, I believe the unemployment rate was at 15%. So right there, you have about half a million people that are going to die from um, unemployment related causes alone, which was mind boggling to me, which I think we didn't hit half a million people dead from coronavirus until like a year and a half, maybe even two years into the whole deal. So what's I tell you now over the course of six years, you have that alone, plus missed cancer screenings, plus all these other treatments that were shut down that people are now going to miss. Now people are also going to die from. Um, are you familiar with Tom Woods at all? Yeah. Okay. Did you see his COVID charts quiz? No, I didn't. Oh my God. You'll. So whenever we're done here, you'll you have to look this up because it's absolutely hilarious. Um, he found all the charts for like state by state, county by county, and even like counties beside each other in states. And what they did was um put the lines up next to each other, like the graphs of cases and deaths and all that. And if you look at states that locked down, states that had mask mandates, counties that had mask mandates versus counties that didn't, um, all the lines look exactly the same. And the goal of the quiz is for you to fail because you can't tell the difference. Because in theory, if all this government intervention was supposed to work, then as soon as you implement mask mandates, what should happen? Case should drop. But that was never the case. You oh, could never put that on donkey. In fact, and this is it, you learned this in economics and free, free market economics. This is a common mistake is that we look at one metric and we don't consider the the potential unattended consequences. And there's and and look, the secret is there's so many that you can't plan for them all. So don't, right? So don't try to control everything because there's unintended consequences we can guess, and there's others that are connected to those that we can't even possibly guess. So, like an example would be. Wow, look at this town. They raised minimum wage by $2 and they added 10,000 jobs. Therefore, raising minimum wage doesn't cut jobs. But what we don't know is that they could have added 20,000 jobs, right? So that's just an example. So in the charts that you're talking about, what we don't see are how many more people became depressed, how many more people got anxiety, how many more suicides, how many more people um, became addicted to substances or food. How many people's lives simply became shorter 
because of poor health now, but it's short. Now they're going to year, you know, they're going to live five years shorter or the last five years of life are going to be much rough. Like we can't possibly calculate all this. So it's not the same. It's not the same. The States with lockdowns versus no lockdowns. Yeah. Maybe the same in terms of infections and deaths from COVID, but I guarantee you the unintended consequences of the lockdowns caused worse problems that we can't even possibly calculate. And that's what they depend on. They know this. They know this. So they can go back and be like, well, show me. And you're like, well, I don't know what it would have been had you not done that stupid shit, you know? So we, we have no idea. So that's the, what needs to get communicated. And um, that's why policies need to be, like our policies with COVID were, they were pushed entirely by vir virologists. Like people are like, what's going to, what's going to potentially reduce the spread of the virus and then consider nothing else. Right. <laughs> okay. For example, um, let, let's say you're, you're, you're like, oh my God, climate change is super terrible. And let's just say you totally believe that if we don't change it now, we're going to, it's going to be terrible in the next 30 years. We're all going to die. Let's just say that that's you. Right. Then you could be like, cut all, let's cut all power, all electricity, no batteries, no nothing, no coal. Let's save the, and then, but, and so, and then you, what you did is you solved climate change, but guess what you did? You killed billions of people, but you didn't count that because all you're doing is looking at one metric. So we need to look at the whole picture and the lockdowns and all that stuff didn't even help the one metric they were looking at, right. but what we're not considering are all the unintended consequences now that we couldn't, we can't even possibly quantify. That's the big story. That's what we need to focus on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's absolutely criminal. And I've, you know, I've spoke about it a lot on this podcast. And then even before I started the podcast, it was absolutely insane to me, the totalitarian um, reaction to COVID that everybody had, and we all kind of lived through. Um, so one other topic I also kind of wanted to talk about, and I think you had him on your podcast once or twice, but uh, Dr. Warren Farrell, um, wow. This could be pretty arbitrary, but what do you think about the state of masculinity in uh, America in 2022? You know, I think um, one of the the values and detriments of the progressive mindset is that they are they question old wisdom and customs, mm -hmm. and they look at potential improvements or ways we could change things to make it better. So, okay. That's the good thing. Now, the bad side of that is it's like, uh, what's that saying? Don't tear a fence down until you know why it's up. Right. Mm -hmm. so what's happened or what happens often. And I think what's happened a lot now is you have a lot of progressives that look at old wisdom and, and just outright, it's all garbage. It's all terrible. It's all based off of power it's all based off of oppression mm -hmm. it's all based off of terrible things so eliminate all of it because we're so smart that we can create something superior out, out of scratch now the, the now here's the here's the issue i have with that is you know i look i'm a i'm a big science guy okay uh, i don't worship science but i'm definitely a big science guy and um I think it's very clear that evolution happens at the very least at the microscopic level. We could, we could watch bacteria and viruses evolve. I mean, right before our eyes evolve to evade um, antimicrobials or, or medicines in order to survive. We can see this with insects. You know, we all, most people say, okay, evolution is a real thing, but the evolution of ideas is also real. And, you know, we've had written history now for thousands of years and a lot of the customs and wisdom 
that we have is there because it has stood the, the, the test of time. So there's some value there. Um, if there's a lot of value there, the, the challenge, the, the trouble is we forgot what the value is and, or a lot of people forget or ignore or don't want to look into it and just say, let's all throw it away. And so what they do is they look at the, the old wisdom surrounding masculinity, right? So what's, what is, by the way, and, and, and there's also, there's a lot of perverse ideas around masculinity. And I think part of this has to do with the culture of uh, fatherless homes. I really do. I think when, a, when a, especially a boy grows up without a strong, you know, a good male role model, like a father, he's going to develop his masculinity based off of things like media, music, what he thinks masculinity is supposed to be. So what it ends up looking like is uh, aggressive behavior, dominance, um, violence, impulsivity, um, rejecting responsibility, because that's what the media shows, right? The media shows guys as being like fighting and shooting and banging chicks and making money and, oh, being a dad is stupid, but it's great being a single guy. I'm free, that kind of thing, that kind of deal. So I think part of it... Um, you know, that's, that's a big part uh, of the problem, but real wisdom, you know, real masculinity as described through wisdom, which would be just, you know, through thousands of years of custom is we're protectors. Um, we provide um, security and stability. We uh, provide, we, we show it by example, how to be masculine. Like what you learn from your dad, like I have, I have I had a great father. And what a father teaches their son or what real masculinity is, mature masculinity, is not impulsivity and violence. It's how to control and temper yourself. That's what it, what it really is. Because when you're, you know, you're a 13-year-old boy and testosterone hits your system, you know, and you lose your temper, you want to punch the wall or you want to whatever. Like, as you grow up, you learn, like, that's not appropriate. Like, I, I don't punch the wall. I can process this differently and I can be stoic and I can be uh, controlled responsibility is another one, right? Like when you're, you know, 13 year old boy, like you get all the energy in the world and you're like, I don't, I don't want any responsibility. And when you become a man, you're like, well, look, life isn't just about getting everything I want. Uh, it's also about raising these kids, being responsible, taking care of my family, contributing to society. And then, oh, by the way, there's a lot of purpose and meaning, you know, behind that. So um, we've, what we've done is we've looked at the, the negatives uh, that men have done in the past and said, oh, that's all masculinity. Okay. So, because men have ruled the world for most of human history, well, then uh, everything that's bad is due to men. Well, I guess we could say everything that's good is due to men too then. You know, that's the other side of the argument. But people forget that, right? So the, the, real, the real thing with masculinity is um, what we don't need is less masculinity. What we need is more. We need much more masculinity. We need more men to, you know, to take pride in being monogamous and to being to be to have pride in being fathers, you know. Think about it this way, okay? So you're a young man. Who do you respect more, the the tough guy that beats everybody up at the bar every time you go out with him, or the really tough guy that doesn't do anything when the weaker guy makes a, a jab at him or somebody says something to him and he kind of brushes it off? But you know, holy shit, he could kick the shit out of him right now. Oh yeah, the ladder. That's the guy you. I, and we all know that guy, right? Where I, I used to. Look at, <laughs> I used to train in jujitsu and I would train with some pro fighters. I remember going to a bar once and my friend, Mike Swick. So he, he now runs um, a kickboxing Academy in, uh, in Thailand, but he was a pro. He fought in the 
UFC, I, I believe at one point he was the second ranked middleweight in the world. And I remember going out with him and you know, this guy could kick the crap out of most people. And I remember, you know, drunk dude talking crap to him and he brushed it off. And I remember being so, I so much so respect for the guy because I know like, oh, if you wanted to, he totally too. He's totally calm about it. So that's the guy you respect. Like, who do you respect? The guy that, that, you know, sleeps with all the girls or the guy that can, he's got women clawing at him, but he chooses to be faithful to his, to his woman and to his family. Right. That's the guy that all the other guys are gonna look at and be like, oh man, respect. Right. There's something instinctual there. So that's the, that's what we need more of like real masculinity. And what we have now is, is too little masculinity and they're blaming it on masculinity, which is, which is interesting to me because it's the opposite. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, how a majority of our diet today in America is pretty much a plant-based diet, but then they want to blame the, what is it, the two to three ounces of meat that uh, the average American eats a day <laughs> and say that that's the issue with our diet. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's very interesting. Um, I remember being a kid when, this is also an interesting phenomenon that's happening, so I'm not quite sure where this is going to go, but I remember when the internet really started becoming a thing. And I remember sitting there and having a discussion. I don't remember who I was talking to. It might've been my parents. I was young. And I said something like, man, within our lifetime, we're going to have access to all the recorded uh, information of all of human history. Like we're going to have access to all the information right away. So we're going to have, we're going to solve all of our problems. Everything's going to be wonderful, but that's because, and I was wrong, obviously, because <laughs> I was young and I confused information with wisdom or knowledge with wisdom. Like knowing things is one thing, being wise is another thing. And I think right now we're going through this phase of like, it's like we're teenagers, like like culturally, where we've got all this information, but we've got zero wisdom. So it's like a teenager who's like, oh, I'll move out, mom. I could totally pay my bills. I'll make this much. I'll do, you're like, all right, go ahead and try it. And then they come back like, oh, it's a lot harder than I thought. It, we're, we're, we're going through that. It feels like that, right? It feels like we're, we got all this information, uh, very little wisdom. And so like a kid um, who learned for the first time how to drive and all that stuff, we're like, um, yeah, throw it all away. None of it's valuable. I, I, dude, I could totally do this better than you. You have no idea. Mom and dad, I could do this better. It's not that hard or whatever. And um, we're wrong. We're totally wrong because we don't know. We're, we're, um, we're ignorant to it all. So now, where is that going to lead? I don't know. I'm hoping that it leads to the progression of us faster. But what it seems like is like we're bouncing off the walls harder and faster. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if we, we survive this period. All right, guys. Um, I'm absolutely thrilled with the uh, show's new sponsor. Um, I am now sponsored and uh, have an affiliate through LMNT Electrolytes. Um, I have used these electrolytes for years. Um, back when I used to do a lot of fasting, in fact, I used to drink... Sometimes I want to say up to seven a day, seven little packets. So um, the packets are full of all the electrolytes that you need to perform and hydrate yourself properly. Um, you need sodium for pretty much every single function in your body, despite what um, a lot of people may tell you. Um, sodium doesn't actually cause a lot of the issues that uh, people kind of would have you believe. So um, just real quick to give you a little bit of facts. Um, you don't need sugar to hydrate. Electrolytes and water don't require glucose to pass through the gut. The average American consumes over 60 pounds of sugar a year. And um, when it comes to athletic performance, um, you can actually lose up to seven grams per day 
and hot climate. So um, make sure you click on the affiliate link below to get all your hydration needs. And like I said, I'm super stoked to have these guys um, teamed up with the podcast. And uh, just make sure you get your uh, electrolytes through Element. All right, guys. Thanks. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, one thing that always kind of stuck for me, um, and this is a little bit not insanely personal, but when I first started working on cars um, back in 2013 um, as like an actual career, I remember I was making minimum wage in a Chevy dealership changing oil. And then now 10 years later, I see people doing the same job for like twice the money. And I kind of look at my experience and how I was treated back then because it was a lot of, you know, kind of older guys busting my balls all day, every single day. Um, I look back at that experience and I'm very, very grateful that I kind of had my metaphorical teeth kicked in to kind of harden me to become, you know, a more better worker today. Um, do you feel like a lot of America and a lot of younger people are kind of missing that similar experience? Yeah, I think what we're doing is we're looking at um, because we've gotten to this period where we want to say we're all the same. And what I mean by that is like, there's no differences between men and women. And right. <laughs> That's so not true. It also devalues our, our real value. It's, 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 it doesn't mean one is better than the other. That's not at all what I'm saying. I'm saying that generally we provide different value. And then, of course, if you break it down, really you're an individual. So none of that matters because an individual can be any different way. But generally speaking, you know, men, we are different towards each other than women are in different ways. Like for example, like you said, you worked with a bunch of guys and they probably they broke your balls all the time. And they mess with you, and and guys do this, you know. Like, uh, like I remember once I was my my buddy. He he had just opened a restaurant, and he was giving me a tour of his restaurant, and he was in introducing me to his staff. And we're in the kitchen, right? So he's got all these all these cooks working there, and he's like, "This is John. This is Ken. You know, it's my friend Sal. This is Nine. This is Steve. Whatever." And then as we're walking, I'm like, Nine. I'm like, his name is Nine. Isn't that a German word? He doesn't look German. And he goes, "Oh!" And he turns around. And he goes, Nine. And then Nine, you know, what's up? And he goes. Hey, show him why we call you nine. He raises his hand and he's missing a finger. And like, that's the kind, that's the, the nicknames that guys give each other, right? We menace with each other with this. Now, psychologically or evolutionarily speaking, I mean, I th the theory is something along the lines of, you know, we were the hunters, you know, and what you do is you mess with each other and test each other. And we're also the ones that if, if war happened or we had to fight physically, that it was us, right? We're, we're expendable. By the way, this is why, like, if you if you took a society, if you took half of a society's men, the society would survive. If you took half of its women, it would collapse, right? Because a man could theoretically have maybe many babies in a year, whereas a woman can't. So evolutionarily speaking, you know, we're expendable. So it's like what we do is we kind of mess with each other, test each other, because then when the shit hits the fan, you want to know who's going to be who's going to be quiet and move forward, and who's going to kind of crumble or whatever. You see this with studies on how men organize themselves very efficiently behind a leader and it stays very consistent. Whereas with females, it's much more community-based and, you know, leadership changes. By the way, that has its own tremendous value as well. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. we you know, just men are different and, you know, you got value out of those relationships with men. But generally speaking, I think what we've also done is we've made everybody take everything so personal. This is both men and women. So it's like, calm down, relax. It's words. It's fun. Definitely abuse is wrong. Definitely sexual abuse is, or, or sexual harassment is wrong. Um, but, uh, but, but I think we've gone a little too far with how we are with you people. And, and also, uh, we've created this kind of sense of entitlement 
with people where, you know, you know, if I, if I hire an intern and I don't pay them, I could get ridiculed. Why don't you pay that person? They're working. I'm like, well, actually I am paying them in knowledge and experience and they've agreed to do this. So they see the value in it. So it's really none of your business, you know, type of deal. So it's, 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 it is very interesting, um, uh, kind of what we're running into. And I think what's that saying, um, good times create weak men, weak men create bad times, bad time, create strong men, strong men create good times. It feels like times have been really good for a long time. And so we got a bunch of weak people, you know, men included, um, that are, you know, running the show right now. Yeah. To kind of throw it back to, uh, Austrian economics, um, when you think about interest rates over the last 20 years, and this has always been kind of fascinating to me, and Peter Schiff was really the one who kind of broke this down in my mind. Um, you know, back in the 90s and the early 2000s, we had very, very low interest rates so that way people could live way beyond their means and to fund wars and stuff like that. And they never picked interest rates back up. And because of that, we've had 20, you know, 25 years of just living the good life without having to pay the consequences or having to really reap what we sow. But now we're starting to see that kind of come to fruition where we're learning that we can't, you know, keep living beyond our means because now we have, you know, probably what is double digit to like 20% inflation. Yeah. Well, even beyond that, um, I think we would have lived better had the money been more sound. Um, yeah. We got away with it because of innovation. Like we innovated faster than we destroyed our money is what happened in many cases. Technology was huge um, and our efficiency with how we create things was massive. One person now can be produced as much as like, you know, 15 people 20 years ago or something like that. So mm -hmm. what happened is our, 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 our currency is getting destroyed, but our innovation kind of outpaced it. But so if we had, if we had been sound with our, because with our investments, with our money, we would have just had a more efficient um, economy, more efficient markets. We would have had less malinvestment, less of what we're seeing now where, you know, you know, college is crazy expensive. <laughs> um, houses in some areas are just crazy expensive. Um, things are just, you know, can be kind of out of control. People buying things that they don't, that they probably shouldn't because it seems like free money, but it really isn't. So what does that mean? Well, that money was now malinvested. It's now put somewhere where had things been more accurate, it would have been put somewhere better and more efficient and effective. So we would have been better off. I don't, I think we're living the good life because our, because thankfully we're innovative as hell. Mm -hmm. And since the tech revolution, um, you know, innovation has just been just exploded. And thankfully it's outpaced our, our destruction of our, of our currency. But I, I mean, and I hope it continues that way, but so we'll see what happens. Yeah, it's uh, really hard to see how this shakes out. And uh, I remember you saying on your podcast one day that uh, whenever uh, I think it was some of the stock market uh, measurements started coming down, you said, oh, I can hear Peter Schiff saying already, it's coming, it's coming. <laughs> but that's, you know, that's been him for like the last 20 years. Uh, uh, but but it's not that he's necessarily wrong. It's just we have no clue when the house of cards, you know, comes falling down. Well, uh, I mean. What it is, is that you have um, asset inflation because if you're an investor, if you're in a position where you have a lot of money, you look at the signs and you take your money and you leverage it. Mm -hmm. And so people with money put it places that they can leverage it, like the stock market and houses, you know, asset type things. And so what we've seen is asset inflation and what that looks like is a growing economy. But in reality, um, it's not, it's just, it's, it's because 
people with a lot of money are putting their money in those places. But the average person, you know, they don't they have a 401k maybe, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's it. And they're kind of having a tough time. And luckily, like I said, innovation has made things cheaper because of innovation. But um, no, I mean, everything he's saying is right. What he didn't calculate is how how much of a role in, in innovation is played. But again, I think even Peter would tell you this, is that um, you can't possibly you know, calculate for everything. Right. You just know that there's a better and a worse way. And the worst way is to go in and skew the signals because you're going to get more malinvestment that way. If you don't skew the signals, then the investment is... And one of the best things we could do with our resources is invest them and use them in the most effective, efficient way possible. But if you skew the signals, then you get malinvestment. And eventually that can turn into bubbles and crashes or lessen. Again, here's another one. Look, we don't know how much we didn't create because of malinvestment. Forget the stock market crashing or, or unemployment going up or inflation exploding. Forget that. That's obvious. What about all the things that we didn't create? Like we can't calculate for that. But, but, but with malinvestment, that for sure happened in, in yeah. many areas. Right. Um, and, you know, you kind of said if, if there was a better or worse way to do things, there's something that I kind of wanted to pivot to there and get your thoughts on. Um, it, it really feels like the American people are damned if they do and damned if they don't at this point, because um, under Trump, yeah, people make the argument that the economy was good, but I think that's just largely due to being a, uh, you know, recovery from the 2008 housing market crash. And then look, in 2020, the whole economy came crashing down again. And now we get Biden. And I feel like you're like damned if you do, damned if you don't, because, okay, so we saw how Trump handled the coronavirus and then a lot of his promises went unfulfilled. And then, I mean, I I have not heard a good (laughs) defense of Biden. I mean, there, let's be honest, there is no defense. Um, And it's not like third parties generally win. Now, I like the Libertarian Party and I like what the Libertarian Party is doing now, but, um, to me, it kind of looks like the best way to move forward is going to be spread the ideas that we cherish the most, you know, free market economics, um, property rights, and individual responsibility. Um, what do you see as the best way kind of going forward to help perhaps bring the country or move the country in a more positive direction? Boy, you know what you need? Because, okay, so Trump did some stuff I liked. He did some stuff I didn't like. He was a terrible politician. That's That was his biggest uh, mistake. He was not Reagan. Like, he didn't. He wasn't Obama, right? He didn't communicate exceptionally well. Um, he was super polarizing, a gift to the left, if you will. I mean, if he runs, uh, that's the best chance the left has at winning um, the next presidential election would be if Trump uh, runs, in, in, in my opinion, and I think many other people's opinions. He deregulated it a lot, mm-hmm. which was good. He added taxes to many things, otherwise known as tariffs, which mm-hmm. was bad. Um, and a lot of people bought into it because it sounds like we're making the Chinese pay. No, we're paying for it because we're buying yeah. more expensive now. To the tune of 96%. He didn't start any new wars, which I know the bar is low. Okay. <laughs> but at least he was the like, seriously, before, I think the, the, I think it was the previous, he was the last president to not start a war before him. I think it was like the previous four all started some kind of, international engagement or something like that so the bar's low but hey better than nothing he got middle east peace talks happening uh you know which were pretty good because he went against the old uh the grain or whatever so he did that pretty well but again he was a terrible um politician biden um is a puppet obviously doesn't i don't think he knows you know even where he's at right now i think that the progressive 
extreme progressive agenda has got a hold of their party. Um, I think they're going to pay for it in the polls, uh, but we'll see. But here's the problem, okay? And I hate saying this, and I know I sound like the stereotypical broken record libertarian, okay? But when a Republican, when Republicans are in power, when Democrats are in power, they kind of act the same, okay? They kind of do. There's really not a lot of, I mean, they may say different things, but in action, it looks pretty damn similar or the same. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's like they all, when they're in power, they want, they're pro-war. When they're in power, they're anti-liberty. They all make things more expensive through intervention, just maybe a little differently. Maybe the Republicans spend a little less, but they still love their debt spending. Nobody wants to, nobody wants to be the one to say, hey, everybody, we got to tighten the belt a little bit. Everybody wants to be like, pass it to the next guy. Hopes it crashes with him and not me, yeah. you know, type of deal. So I don't, I don't know. And then there's also the whole, like, I mean, look, the second you let the referee play a very active role in the game is when you open the door for that referee to be heavily influenced by the players. Okay. The government plays such a big role in our, in markets and in, in our lives that it's, that it's large, powerful companies, corporations, and individuals working with the government now. So it doesn't matter if you're a Republican or a Democrat. When you're in power, you're probably going to get in power because you're getting supported by these companies and these people who want to use the government's power to get what they want or to push forward their agenda. So it looks, you know, very similar. The only difference I see now is, but again, this is because the Republicans aren't in power. And I'm, it's always like, whoever's not in power sounds good. Right? I remember when yeah. Obama, I remember when Bush was president um, and Obama was a senator railing against the Patriot Act, railing against NDAA, like making speeches about it. And I was like, oh, I like this guy. Yeah, the Democrats, they don't, they don't like, you know, destroying our liberties when it comes to surveillance and stuff like that. And they, of course, do the same thing. But right now, it sounds like the left also has this strange cultural agenda um, and the right is pushing against that. Right. So I'm more apt to support the right in that sense um, because uh, I, I don't want you imposing, again, your, your agendas on me or my kids. But I don't know, man, when they get in office, are they going to do anything different? We'll see. Historically, no. Historically, they're not going to do anything different. Yeah, I completely agree. And it's really, really sad because you do have some good Republicans, Thomas Massey, Rand Paul. Um, DeSantis, when he was in Congress, really was not good. But as governor, it's really, really entertaining to see the way that he handles the media and handles uh, the kind of woke and globalist agenda. Yeah, I think that DeSantis um, is a good politician on top of it, which you need if you're going to lead a country. You have to be popular uh, with yeah. the way you present things. It's just a fact. The only thing that DeSantis that I that makes me a little weary, and I have my friends, my conservative friends, by the way, I have liberal and conservative friends, but my conservative friends like this about him. And I'm always like, I don't know. I'm, I think we should be careful. He does have a bit of an authoritarian streak. Like yes. he did um he did use the 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 force, the full force of of Florida law to punish Disney for saying some stuff that he didn't like, right? He he went and said, oh, well, you guys are protected under these old laws in Florida. So now we're going to reverse them and make you pay us extra taxes. So essentially he's using the force of the government 
to impose his will on a company that's like passing opinion. Um, now my conservative friends are like, you know, the progressive cultural agenda is so crazy out of control that we need that. So that's the argument that they make. But I'm always like, look, man, um, I don't want anybody to have that power because at some point, even if they're good people and you like them, they're going to be out of office and the next guy's going to be in charge. Like you don't want that to exist because it gets, it never gets given back to us. So that's the part of DeSantis. I'm a little bit now, some of the stuff he's doing, a lot of stuff he's doing, I like a lot. And if, if he were to run against anyone else, I think I'd vote for him, but that authoritarian side, you know, you know what the problem is too, is the, the very people who seek to, you know, to rule the very, the very people who want to be in public uh, office, who want to be governor and president, right. Who seek that out are the very people we probably don't want yeah. to be in power. Like I want somebody to lead who, who really doesn't want to control people who doesn't have delusions of being a king or a ruler um, and, and, you know, look, the bottom line is in modern times, if you got to be, if you want to be a politician, you really want to be a politician, right? <laughs> you really want to deal with that and you like that shit. So uh, there's a party that probably, you know, makes you maybe not fit for it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, when you look at somebody like Ron Paul, I think we all concluded that, uh, he's not the kind of guy that wants to lord over people. Cause I, I can't remember his exact statement, but um, he said, you know, the Constitution doesn't give me the right to run your life. I don't know how to run your life. The Constitution doesn't give me the right to know how to run other countries, whatever the saying was. But it was that kind of personality that really attracted a lot of people to him and I think made it um, made him so appealing to so many people because he just didn't have that authoritarian streak. But um, but, he, but he didn't win, he didn't become president because, right. he didn't, you know, what we need we need someone who sells it really well. But then again, the person who's going to come out selling it really well, <laughs> you want to be in charge, you know? So it's, it's kind of a weird, it's a weird position. It's like, I mean, George Washington was offered kingship after they won the revolution. He turned it down. Like, I want somebody like that. Right. Yeah. I don't know if we're going to have that in uh, 2022 or 2024. Um, so you've been very, very generous with your time. And I know you said you were a little limited. Um, I got a couple questions to ask if that's cool with you. Yep. What does uh, liberty look like to you? You know, liberty is very interesting to me. It is not an obvious, um, logical way for humans to to live and think. If you really consider, I mean, look around. Does anything look equal to you? I mean, some people are tall, some people are short, some people are fast, some people are slow. And yet we came up with this concept and it was heavily influenced by religion and philosophy. There's a very strong Judeo-Christian root in this. And there's also some Greek philosophy that is behind this. It's this really strange idea, and we take it for granted. It was this really weird idea where somebody said, hey, we all have inalienable rights, all of us. Because it's not obvious. Like I said, look around. It's not obvious. Slaves were everywhere, every continent, every country, every nation, um, you know, worked with and used slaves. It was about, you know, some people, like I said, you're stronger than that guy. You take his shit. And that's just the way of this, the way it worked for most of human history. And now you got people saying, and then all of a sudden you have someone saying we have inalienable rights. And if we protect, if we create a system where we protect those inalienable rights, then that's going to produce the best outcomes. Strange. It's very strange. Now, obviously it worked. 
It's the most, it, nothing has worked like it or even come close to it. And the closer we get to it, the better um, things tend to get. And it is, although humans are imperfect and we have, we've never applied it properly. It's the concept that got us to treat women um, not as second-class citizens, right? They got to vote. Um, they, we, you know, they, they, they got protected under the law with property rights, just like men. It's the principle that freed slaves all over, all over the free world. It was the free world. It was the Western societies that did it first. It was that concept that did that, right? Um, it's what drives us, if we really understand it, to get along. You know, you hear people talk about tolerance all the time. You know, I tell you what, uh, in the, at one point, anybody could come to this country, anybody showed up and, and you're here. You had so, you had a tremendous amount of immigrants from Europe come to this country and were allowed in. And by the way, people are like, oh, they were all white. Okay. Europe went to war with itself twice. Okay. So Germans and Italians and Irish and French did not consider themselves even close to the same, okay? There were different beliefs, different people, different languages. They all came here. How did they get along and work together? Liberty. They all came here because they agreed on liberty. Hey, look, I'm gonna go to this country that allows me to live the way I want, allows me to start a business, um, won't will allow me to worship how I want, so long as I don't hurt anybody or steal from anybody or whatever. Um, so now, Hey, look, I don't agree with you. I don't, but Hey, you got products I want to buy. I'll, I'll buy them from you. And then we start working together and we get along. We have this explosion of prosperity um, and growth. So Liberty to me is, is um, the reigning concept. And I wish if, if people just really grasp that, then you can believe and, and live how we want. You just got to respect that. That's it. Beautiful. What does health look like to you? Oh, health is, is, um, Health is a sphere that encompasses your physical body, your mental well-being, and your spiritual um, well-being, and all the things that contribute to that, which is uh, most things, or if not everything. You need to have all three for good health. Um, you know, physical health is an obvious one. Mental health is obvious as well. I think spiritual health is not as obvious, but I think if you are health-focused and you follow this path long enough, you'll you'll either crumble um, or you'll accept the fact that you're aging. You'll accept the fact that you, no matter your best efforts, you're not going to be as fit and healthy as you were before, or look as good. And you will start in, in this and you'll, you'll start to look for growth in other places and spiritual health will give you that purpose and meaning behind, uh, you know, what life, you know, what, what is a part of everyone's life, which is, you know, suffering and eventually death. It's so it sounds crappy, but it's actually quite beautiful. So that's what health is. It's, it's spiritual, mental, and, and physical health. It's all three. And if you take one of them away, you're not healthy. Awesome. So this has probably been one of my favorite podcasts I've ever done. Um, <laughs> where can everybody find you? And uh, what do you got cool coming up in the future? You can find me on mind pump. Uh, so the podcast is found on any podcast platform. You can find me on Twitter at mind pump sal and uh i'm gonna keep doing what i'm doing so that's in the future and i got a baby coming another baby number four coming in november so that's uh that's the big thing on the horizon for me oh nice well i'm getting married in november and then we'll be in uh, florida for an entire week so uh, congratulations
Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. You know, I had a whole list of topics I want to hit on and I don't think I hit a single, well, some of the libertarian stuff I want to talk to you about, but uh, all like the health stuff we didn't even hit on, hit on it. So um, I'd definitely like to do this again if that's cool with you, man. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would, I, yeah, I'll, I'll love it. So just contact uh, whoever set this up. We'll do, we'll do another one. I go off. You ask me about something I'm interested in. I end up going off. So that's my apology. <laughs> oh, dude, no, no, no. It, it was an awesome episode. And I think everyone's really going to enjoy it. So uh, yeah, dude, if y'all got anything else, we'll uh, close her out and rock and roll. All right, man. Thank you. Thank you. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early. So everyone can go home on time. There's Granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.